Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work. Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Nope. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was anticipating the question, what are you drinking, Tom? And the oh. answer is nope, nothing. Water. The answer is nope. Actually, not. I'm drinking water. That's good. Drinking water. Delicious water. It's good for you. I don't Hydrate have any me. drinks. And I lost my Discord window, so now I can't see the Slack. I don't know what happened. The Aww. Slack? I'm sorry, the Discord. Oh, I see you why. You said the Discord window and then said you couldn't see the Slack. Well, is it any, you is it really that different? You Discord after referring to it as Discord. So it's like if I, if I said I needed to blow my nose with a tissue, where's my Kleenex? <laughs> or, no, or let me Google that on DuckDuckGo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's way better. <laughs> Much better. Um, I'm not drinking anything either. Um I had a glass earlier of uh, a BC brand called On Point Red, Red Blend. Uh, it was point. inexpensive. I bought it at the uh, BC liquor store because I live yeah. in Canada now. Oh, so you've discovered the the liquor laws of Canada. Yes. Well, <laughs> it was, I've discovered that by going into a grocery store. Did I tell this story last week? Uh, no, but I think I saw it on Twitter. Okay. So, no, TikTok. So I went into- oh, TikTok. I went into the grocery store and I was like walking around and I found a guy and I was like, hey, so where's, is there a beer aisle? And he was like, "Mm, you're American, aren't you? (laughs) And I was like, how could you tell? And he was like, yeah, I'm American too. They don't sell them in grocery stores. You have to go to the BC liquor store. And I was like, you like honed in on another American. To who ask worked the question. there, who worked yeah. at the grocery store. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I think it was a, a weird, you know, coincidence, but mm-hmm. yeah, now I, I have a BC liquor store right down the street. I bought some very inexpensive BC bottled red blend and it was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Government liquor, socialized liquor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like I like my medicine and liquor socialized. <laughs> it's all medicine. It's all medicine. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. So things are good. Things are good. Um, but anyway, yeah, let's, uh, oh, and I want to say hi to Francois, who is a a coworker of mine who uh, knew that I moved to Canada, uh, because he heard it on the podcast and not through any of our work conversations. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're listening, hello. Oh, also Francois, she'll be a little late tomorrow. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Um, let's jump into the quick burns. The Hugos were announced. Bow, 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 bow. Uh, thanks to Ian for putting this in the Quick Burns thread. Uh, best novel went to our Katie Martins, A Desolation Called Peace. 
Best novella Mm -hmm. went to Becky Chambers' A Psalm for the Wild Built. Best novelette went to Bots of the Lost Ark by Suzanne Palmer. Short story went to Where Oaken Hearts Do Gather by Sarah Pinsker. And best series went to Wayward Children by Shauna McGuire. Shauna McGuire, like, really tore up that award show. Um, They were were there for a lot of awards. Um, I think she accepted some awards for her partner. Uh, uh Uh-huh. And I think they won also, uh, they won something else, too. There was like a number there. She was, she was accepted or won like three or four awards. It was pretty cool. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I was, I didn't re- realize that the show was happening and Tamahome actually pinged me on discord. And so I went in and watched the, watched the entire Hugos with the sword and laser crew and discord. And it was super fun. And uh, we pinged you, Tom. I think you were busy doing other I stuff at the time. At the six two six night market. Oh, nice! The actual market that inspired one of the scenes uh, in the book that was set in the San Gabriel Valley. Yes. that we talked about. Uh, I did not see any violin playing demons. I was very disappointed. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you Can't know. win them all. I did get a uh, 20-ounce bottle of juice shaped like a baby bottle that was refillable. A 20-ounce bottle of juice shaped like a baby bottle. hmm Yep. Okay. That's okay. a thing. That's a very common thing. There were like 20 different stands all selling that. Why do you think that's a thing? Because it's hot. It was Light from Uncommon Stars. Thank you, Ian. Light from Uncommon Stars. Thank you, Ian. Uh, I mean, I was pretending like we both had remembered it until you said that, but okay. <laughs> I didn't remember it either, so we can be together in our, our title, forget <laughs> Forgetfulness. Uh, but yeah, I, it's, uh, it's the 626 Night Market is a bunch of food, a bunch of merch, and a bunch of drinks. Uh, the drinks being mostly non-alcoholic, although they have, like, it, it's almost like Canada. They have... <laughs> Uh, a certain one brand that can sell beer and wine. Oh, Ian also says only Americans would think Canada is socialist. No one said it was socialist. We did. We made a joke about our socialist. No, we talked about socialized and... medicine. Yeah, which is that's true. Different, different than calling it socialist. Ooh. Let's all just calm down, everyone. Ooh. See, so you see, this is the problem. You can't have an argue with. Uh, you can't have an argue. You can't have a. <laughs> fight about this kind of stuff. I came here for an argue. (laughs) He said, I said, it's a joke, son. Dang. (laughs) Ian's getting feisty. Wait, where are you seeing this? In the Discord. I don't see the socialism one. I see, I said it's a joke, It's above the Tasmania. It's above the Tasmania. Yeah, it's in the Slack. (laughs) I Googled it in the Slack. I just stole Tom Homey's joke. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. Um, All right. Well, uh, yeah, it was a great, 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 great event. Um, Let's not have an argue. It was a great event. Annalie Newitz and uh, Charlie Jane Anders were the Toastmasters. Did a great job. Um, And and won Best Fan Cast for Our Opinions Are Correct, which which is highly well-deserved. Which reminded me that we did again forget to ask people to nominate us. So again, <laughs> listen, uh, 10th year running or so, or hmm. this has nothing to do with the Hugos, but when, and I really mean that was, I'm not being sarcastic. When you ask people to nominate you and you win, then everyone accuses you of fixing it. I know True. this from other award shows that I have been involved with. Uh, so, and then mm. when you don't ask, then you don't even get nominated. So I don't know. You can't win. So are you losing. putting, are you putting the onus of nomination on our listeners who should know better by now? I'm not putting anyone. To, I'm not, to nominate I'm not, us. 
I am not touching mm. an onus. I, the onus is over there. I'm going nowhere near it. I'm fairly certain we only have 13 listeners anyway, so. <laughs> That's not true. They're all in this chat room right now. And Francois, they're all in the Slack, and my coworker. Um, Francois, don't let us forget to nominate ourselves. Wait, or hold ask you, people hold you personally something? responsible. Uh, we yeah. are, we're digressing. We need to talk about books. I can't wait um, to meet Francois someday. I know he's a great guy. Uh, Jan says DragonCon has announced the winners of the 2022 Dragon Awards. Best science fiction novel is Leviathan Falls by James S. A. Corey, and best fantasy novel is Book of Night by Holly Black and BT Dubs. Um, James S. A. Corey also won uh, for best uh, short form presentation uh, for an episode of The Expanse at the Hugo's as well. Yeah. Good stuff all around. Uh, DragonCon and Hugo's all in the same weekend. Quite, quite a, quite a bit of winning. Going that on. happens regularly, right? It's it's like um, it's like Haley's Comet. Like it, you know, <laughs> yeah. it swings around every once in a while, and they kind of conjoin like that, but not every year. Makes sense. Uh, John John Taloni uh, pointed out that the Science Fiction Writers Association has a story bundle up with the theme, The Renegades of Tomorrow. So if you go to storybundle.com slash sci-fi, you'll find it. Why do rule breakers and rogues intrigue us? Perhaps because we know the rules often need changing. Meet 13 reluctant heroes of all types as they face an unjust system and find they can't leave well enough alone. Then join each of our carefully selected renegades on their thrilling adventure to make things right one way or another. Mm. So it's a story bundle. You get a uh, you get a bunch of works, and of course, the way Story Bundle works, uh, the more people that buy it, the more get unlocked. So you know, right now there's like, uh, as I'm looking at it, there are four. Uh, yeah, there's four novels right four now, unlocked. and there's another right? another nine, right? another nine bonus novels that will be unlocked, I guess, as time goes on. Yeah. Oh wait, it's, uh, no. Pay at least twenty dollars to unlock another nine bonus books for a total of thirteen. Oh. So you can pay however much you want for the first four. And then if you add 20 to that, you get the right, the other nine. I see. Okay. Little, so it, it, works is, a it is a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Than Humble Bundle. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Okay. We're figuring it out as we go. Uh, Count Zero Or says AMC is doing a new prestige animated series from Ken Liu titled Pantheon. The series will air on AMC Plus and will be available for streaming through High Dive, the anime streaming platform that AMC purchased a year or so ago. Right on. Excellent. So uh, I don't think this is based on any of Ken Liu's works, uh, or maybe it is. I don't know, I should say, whether it is or not, uh, but he's involved. So thank you, Count Zero Or. And then Karen Ruff said, interesting discussion about Ivanovich writing a black protagonist in the latest episode. Oh, I I guess this is not supposed to be in Quick Burns. I I didn't move. I didn't move it. it, No. Okay, hold but, hold your thoughts on Karen Ruff. No, 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 no. We'll read them. We'll read them shortly. I shall move it. Uh, shall coming move up it. soon, thoughts by Karen Ruff. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Oh, hold on, hold on. We have a live update. Live update from the chat uh, while we make that change. Uh, Count Zero Or says, uh, first episode of Pantheon is up and is available for free now. Thanks for that live report, Count Zero Or. No, that's awesome. That was great. So if you go to highdive.com slash TV slash Pantheon, uh, you can find it right there. Awesome. Very cool. 
All right, everyone, thanks for submitting stories. If you want to submit a quick burns, you can do so either in the thread on goodreads.com slash sword and laser or in our Discord channel. Look for the quick burns channel. All right, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. All episode long, we've been teasing ahead to this amazing post from Karen, so we're finally here. Uh, Karen Ruff wrote, interesting discussion about Aronovich writing a black protagonist in the latest episode. I confess it had never occurred to me as an issue because the incomparable Cobna Holdbrook-Smith as audio narrator completely displaced the author in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely, I also listened to the audiobook. There were mixed reviews, I would say, of the uh, audiobook narrator uh, for this particular novel based on our Goodreads uh, discussions that we've had. Um, but I thought he was great. There was a little bit of heavy breathing. Uh, we can talk more about that in the, in the wrap up, really? I suppose. N- not in the sexual way. Just in I a- I did not notice anything like that. You didn't notice a- <laughs> No. Huh. There was a fair yeah. amount of that. Yeah. Never, never caught my attention. Not even once. Uh, I, I, I did like the narrator, but like, or dislike the narrator. I do believe the wider point that Karen is drawing attention to is (laughs) the narrator replaces the author in your mind. I think that's, I think that is fascinating because I think that, that, that just happens subconsciously. I don't know. It's not a, not an active thing. I think it was, yeah, I, I totally get that. Like in 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 my mind, I had made that connection between narrator and character. And then I had to actively, I remember exactly where I was. I was in my kitchen, my old kitchen in San Francisco, and I was listening mm. to the audiobook. I was washing dishes, and it was very specifically that scene um when he's talking to Mama Thames. And he's discussing the way, I think it was something about like, like, you know, like a black woman is angry at you if they look at you in a certain way. It was something like that that was very Mm -hmm. like, I think we talked about this in the last episode, actually. And I was like, wait, is Aronovich, is he, is he black? I was like, I was like, I don't, uh," and that was like how that whole discussion kind of cropped up in my, in my mind for the very first time. But yeah, it hadn't occurred to me until that kind of comment is. That's so Um, funny that you mentioned that because I know exactly where I was during that scene too, because I also, that also stuck out to me as like, Oh, that's really interesting. Like I have heard friends of mine say that about like, Oh yeah. In our community, you know, when some, when an auntie gets mad or a grandma Mm -hmm. gets mad and I was like, Oh, that really reflects things that I've heard, heard friends talking about. I was, uh, I was throwing a tennis ball to Ray. Oh, that's that funny. Yeah. Um, so we have a longer discussion about this in our previous episode, if you missed it and including kind of Aronovich's like perspective, uh, you know, being in a family where his wife is black and his son is mixed race. And so like, was he, you know, this character could be kind of like enabling people or his son specifically to like have representation in, in fantasy, urban fantasy novel form. Um, so yeah, if you want to, I don't think we need to dig into that too much again in this episode more than we already have, I guess. Um, but it was a great discussion and there were really great, uh, perspectives perspectives over on the Goodreads thread about it. Indeed. Uh, also then Stephen wrote moving and books do mm. not go together. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, we all know Veronica just finished her move. Uh, Stephen says, I would have liked to have saved my first editions and signed stuff, but the airline had a 50 pound limit on one suitcase, which shot down that notion Ooh. downside of moving halfway around the world. The upside 
a major upgrade in my living standards. Uh, and so someone asked him where he moved from and where he moved to. And Stephen said, I moved from Los Angeles to Samut Prakan, just outside of Bangkok, Thailand. <laughs> That's much further than <laughs> That's I moved. That's a far move. <laughs> that is very uh, far. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got rid of all of, basically almost all of my books. The things I kept were uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy that my dad uh, gave to me when I was a little kid. Um, I kept a handful of like graphic novels and stuff that I had from it as a kid. Um Specifically, my Star Trek TNG and uh, DS9 crossover comics. It was like a four-series graphic novel. Um, And then just like a handful of other, you know, honestly, a lot of books that I've been in, like, you know, that I was interviewed for from like Mm -hmm. early web days and things like that. And then the Sword and Laser Anthology, like a couple issues of that. And that was it. Everything else is in Kindle form now. It's kind of sad. Like, I miss did having bookshelves. Did you sell them? Did you give them away? How did you dispose of them? I donated all of them. You donated them? Or I left them. them in boxes outside of my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, if you don't live in San Francisco, that's a perfectly normal and acceptable thing to oh, do. Oh, yeah. Everything we yeah. didn't want, we left outside of our house, and it was gone yeah. within hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely one way of doing it. I think I actually, like, posted a Craigslist thing being like, sci-fi fantasy books, here's the address. <laughs> So worked out. Evaporated. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, we got one more uh, thread from Calvi on endings. Uh, Over on the Discord, they were talking about endings uh, such as TV series like Game of Thrones, uh, multiple movie conclusions, and even a bit about this month's uh, pick that we'll talk about in a little bit, How High We Go in the Dark. And it got Calvi thinking, what is harder to write an ending for, a TV series or a book? I'm not a writer, and it probably depends on the writer, but for some reason, I feel like TV is harder, only for the reason as I can think of more series endings that I didn't care for than I can for books. Mm, I think mm -hmm. it could mean I am more invested, seven years of hours of viewing. As a matter of fact, I only could think of the ending of New Heart that I really enjoyed, (laughs) Uh, and I think that is even controversial. I'm sure there are others, but I just can't think of them. I can name the ones I didn't like, Game of Thrones, Sopranos. The Next Generation, Battlestar Galactica. Anyway, even ending this post is tough, so endings, discuss. Man, I'm really disappointed in the ending of this post. (laughs) I'm kidding, Kelly. I'm kidding. It's actually very well ended. I really liked liked, uh, Chris Kay's point, which was uh, one of the main reasons it's harder for TV writers to write a good ending, is that they don't always know if they're writing an ending. Mm -hmm. So sometimes their show, like they don't know if it's going to be renewed or leave storylines open or have a cliffhanger. So it's hard to write like a satisfying ending because it's hard to plan for. Um, So, you know, with authors, he says, at least know that their book has an end and hopefully can write a good conclusion. So that's interesting. Um, Yeah. I think I agree. I think that's a really good point. John uh, threw in that that it's not only just uh, not knowing that they're going to have an ending, but having so many other people involved in the writing. Uh, right. With an author, you'll you'll have more than just the author, right? You you'll often have an editor and a copy editor, and maybe even the agent may throw in some some feedback here and there. The publisher depending on the publisher, may weigh in a little more or a little less. But it's still not nearly the same as a TV show, which has a writer's room. Right. It has a room of people breaking the story. Uh, and then, yeah, individuals will go and write individual scripts, but nobody, in most cases, writes all the scripts for a TV series. And then, like you say, up until just recently, 
most TV series were built to just go as long as they had ratings. They they didn't have end dates. Uh, it's only with the advent of Netflix and streaming that you've had the ability to say to a show like, okay, yes, you'll you will get this many seasons to tell your story. And even then, it doesn't happen all the time. I was thinking about endings recently because, uh, you know, the ending of uh, Better Call Saul just happened. And I was like, man, Vince Gilligan is like really he's he's two for two at this point, because I thought the uh, the Breaking Bad finale was one of the best TV endings I'd ever seen. And Saul was really good, too. I don't think it was necessarily as satisfying as uh, it was pretty satisfying, but maybe not as satisfying as Breaking Bad. I can't recall how firm a commitment he had on Breaking Bad, but I know he has said he always had the ending in mind. Mm -hmm. We better call Saul from the beginning. It was like, this is the story. This is how long it takes. Uh, So he he had a very clear road that he could follow. He still may or may not like that ending, right? But but at least it's not, in Better Call Saul's case, a a situation where they just didn't know when they were going to do an ending, right? The Next Mm -hmm. Generation ending that he pointed out, I actually like that ending, but they made it up in the last season because they were like, oh, okay, this is our last season, uh, figure out how we end it, right? Because right. that was a procedural. You didn't have a, a strong overarching storyline uh, to go from. You just had to to pick from things that you had carried on throughout throughout the series that weren't planned. Whereas a book, you're planning it. You're like, no, this is the story I'm going to tell from beginning to end. So yeah, yeah that makes sense. Great discussion. Um, yeah, yeah good very stuff. cool. All right, well, let's, um, so we've got, a, it's kind of a weird date. It's like we're, it's already September 7th when we're recording this. So we're a little, it's a little bit late for a kickoff, but also very late for a wrap up from last month. So I honestly, I literally forgot that we were wrapping up Rivers of London, like until I looked at the well, rundown. If you look tonight. at our rundown, I put a question mark next to it because I, I couldn't up. remember if we were supposed to or not, but uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Rivers of London uh, mm-hmm. after we kick off How High We Go in the Dark, uh, and it will be spoilery. So just warning ahead of time. We will not be spoilery about How High We Go in the Dark by Sequoia Nagamatsu, though. No, we will not, no. Um, so yeah, tell me tell me about your pick. I, I feel like this kind of came out of nowhere because I thought we were talking about a different book uh, in the last episode, and then I feel like I got surprised by this pick. Is that accurate? I don't remember if I mentioned another book in the last episode, but I kind of went to Discord and just said, what should we read? I think maybe there was a book I'm like, oh, maybe I'll make that my pick. But it was I was not settled on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And through a very long, productive discussion on Discord, which I found enjoyable. I hope the folks in the Discord did. And I think in the future, it's kind of the way I'd prefer to make a pick if I don't have an idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just like like throw me out ideas. And I kept saying, that's a good one. Keep going. Uh, and giving them like, well, if we pick that one, you know, it's related to our previous picks in this way. Finally, I had enough good picks where I felt like, okay, I can't go wrong. There's lots of good stuff uh, to choose. And I narrowed it down to how high we go in the dark by Sequoia Nagamatsu because Elizabeth suggested it uh, and admitted that she suggested it because she stopped reading it and wanted a nudge to try it again. Ooh! It had enough other people saying it looked interesting. It sounded interesting to me because it's a very different kind of pick. And, you know, that's one of the big things I'm always looking for is varying things up. Uh, and to me, that's what a book club's about, trying things. So uh, I, I tend to try to pick books that are going to expose me and hopefully you to new ideas and points of view. And this fit the bill in multiple ways, including directly into Elizabeth. 
<laughs> nice. Uh, do we do we want to do we want to read the book briefing? Is that something uh, we do? Well, I, you know, you should go read the book briefing at Patreon, folks. Okay, uh, yeah. I'm not going to read it to you. Uh, otherwise, why have it on Patreon? But I will I will pull out a few interesting things that are in that. Um, in a theme park designed for terminally ill children, a cynical employee falls in love with a mother desperate to hold on to her infected son. A heartbroken scientist searching for a cure finds a second chance at fatherhood when one of his test subjects, a pig, develops the capacity for human speech. These are book jacket descriptions that are only two of what really is a collection of stories that all interweave. So it's a bit like Cloud Atlas in that respect, although I think they're a little more tightly knit than they were in Cloud Atlas. Uh, It is also my understanding that those are the two saddest stories in this collection. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. Uh, How High We Go in the Dark is not a light read. It is a... I hope you've been working out heavy, Reed. Uh, and I know that you might not be in a situation where you can handle it, and that is totally fair. Uh, but but it's going to be worth the price of admission if you are in a position to be able to handle the heaviness because I think the author is really making some amazing points about life uh, in the in this in these stories here. Uh, the author Sequoia Nagamatsu grew up in Oahu and San Francisco, went to high school in Los Altos Hills, California, got a BA in anthropology, uh, a master in fine arts from Southern Illinois University, where my dad also graduated from, go Salukis, mm. uh, lives in Minneapolis with his wife Cole and their cat Kalahira, a dog Fenris, and a Sony Ibo robotic dog named Calvino. <laughs> Uh, so there, if you, you'll get to a point in the story where you'll be like, oh, that's okay. I know why. Okay. Yeah. It's good to know that. Uh, so yeah, he's mostly done short stories, uh, published a collection called where we go when all we were is gone. Uh, and how high we go in the dark is his first published novel. But like I said, it, it is a collection of interweaving stories. Yeah. Um, I, that description that we had in the beginning of this episode is, is kind of like very similar to the conversation Tom and I had over text message uh, a couple nights ago. Um, so I did want to touch on that because I, I do think that there is a, there's a Goodreads thread about this and Mm -hmm. I had a pretty, um, drawn, like not drawn out, but pretty like emotional discussion in, in the discord as well about this. So Jan says, so I am two chapters slash stories narrators. And, and my main feeling is I hope this pays off. And on another level, this really needs to pay off. Listening to the audiobook, I came to the realization that I feel that an author can tell a bleak story like this, but it has to serve a purpose. It has to be necessary for the story or even the message of the whole thing to work for me. Otherwise, I feel it's kind of frivolous to create a plot like this. And at the moment, I do still feel hopeful it will reveal something about humanity that necessitates the difficult time I had with the second narrator's story. We will see. It's a great example of uh, no pain, no gain. Uh, you yeah. you have to have the pain. And it is, Veronica's not kidding, it is a very hard story, but you've got to have that in order to tell the story that he's trying to tell. Like I had to literally like stop reading and put the book down and like cry like in my bedroom. And Ryan was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't think I can finish this book. Like, I don't think I can do it. And that's when I texted you and the discord basically at the same time. Uh, And I'm going to try it again. Yeah. I'm definitely going to try it again. And I see why Elizabeth was like, I kind of want to nudge to continue this because it's very good. 
but it's, I, I think it's a testament to how good the story and the writing is that it affects you so much, right? You're yeah. not dis. I, I, I don't see anybody dismissing it saying, well, this is just over the top, right? Mm-hmm. It's more like, ouch, this is too real, too close to home. And yet it's not real, right? It's, yeah. it's science fiction. Well, that's why I think, you know, you can elicit such strong emotions mm-hmm. from people by your words and... I mean, just the theme, just the theme. I mean, yeah. it's, it's whew. ripped yeah. from the headlines in many ways. Uh, yeah. so there's I a mean, little bit of that too. Very close to home. Like the, even the yeah. fir- whole first chapter, I was like, oh, this is not, <laughs> this is not going to a good place. And that, that's why I, I, you know, I very sincerely say like, you may be in a situation that is too close to this and not able to handle it. And that's right. totally fine. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if it's just hard, if it's just sad, if it's not, you know, shaking you to the core of your foundation, I would recommend that if, you know, if it doesn't hurt to, 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 to stick with it, because this story isn't just about making you sad. It's not yeah. one of those kind of stories where it's like, we're just going to show you how pain, how life is pain. I, I trust, trust me on this one. It's, it's not just that it's, okay. it's really just showing you how life and, and man, life is hard. So, you know, seriously. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, and anybody else who, who, who perseveres, let us know, uh, in, in the Goodreads or the discord, how, how it's going and what you take away from it. That's what I'm really interested in. I just finished it today, right before the show. Oh, right on. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I get why that thing about endings is in there. Cause it's, it's an unexpected ending. Oh, good. And, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And, and not. Not in a like, oh, like a gut punch way in a, a just all, all I can say is unexpected. I feel like I might have an idea based on the first chapter. So mm. I'm very curious to see where it goes. You you might and you might be partially there, but I don't think any of us could have gotten all the way there. All right. If you hear some rustling noises, it's because I can't sit the way I was sitting on my bed anymore. So I'm laying down now. Yeah, none of the rest of you can see the calisthenics Veronica is going through oh, in her furnitureless could... house. I forgot that you could see me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Tom. <laughs> Relax. It's good. I feel like I should take a screenshot of this because it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll share that you, in Discord you look, later. You look, you look very relaxed. Do it's I good. look comfy? Okay, that went mm-hmm. OnlyFans. Shut up. <laughs> that did not go OnlyFans. It did not go OnlyFans. Trust Get me. Get your mind out of the. Jeez. No. All right. Um, okay, so let's let's wrap up real fast. Socialized OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> is that? Oh no, that can't be the title. Is it? Does that have to be the title? <laughs> Socialized OnlyFans. Oh, that's going to no, do weird things to our SEO. Yeah, I think the SEO would, would prevent me from otherwise I'd be in. All right. Well, we'll figure something out. All right. So we're going to wrap up uh, Rivers of London uh, briefly um, by Ben Aronovich. Um, and it is, yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I was actually, you know, thinking of of moving on and, and reading more of the series, you know, kind of in between books because I get the sense that they're probably – you know, they're pretty short, pretty tight. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. It it gave me, you know, kind of, um, Kevin Hearn vibes a little bit. I, I kind of liked that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that myth, mythical world where, you know, gods and monsters are real and it's kind of like just behind the veil a little bit, like people know it exists, but not really. Um, so I enjoyed that, you know, a little bit of Dresden Files vibes also. Um, so it, it hit all the right notes for like urban fantasy, paranormal stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked the main character, I mean, I liked Peter. Um, you know, he was a little rough around the edges in the beginning. Um, I thought, you know, he, we had a great discussion about this, or maybe it was in, in Goodreads. <laughs> this is what happens when we have um, a long stretch in between podcast episodes. You I can't stopped. remember who you said what to where. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> did I say this to Tom in person, or did I talk about this with Ryan, or did I talk about this with some rando on Twitter? Um, anyway. I'm not saying that about any of you listeners out there. I just mean, of course. You, know, you know, you're not randos. Um, but yeah, I think that like his kind of like vibe with, with females of the species in particular was a little bit like very young male kind of like over the top. Um, I, I but that's just who say, he is as a character. I was going to say we are being spoilery now, you know, uh, but I was, I was, I, uh, I wasn't put off by it, but it ra- I raised an eyebrow at that early on. And then later I realized, oh, we are seeing him learn, you mm-hmm. know, and he is not doing a thing because he's a bad person. He's doing a thing because he's an immature person. Yeah, he was and maturing throughout the book. we are seeing him mature throughout the book. So, so then it made sense, you know, it's like, oh, right, because that is a thing that someone his age might think. And then they learn throughout, you know, the book that that's what you want to show. I think that was good. Yeah, I think it's the difference between an immature writer and a character who is immature. Exactly. There's a a big difference, you know? Yeah, very well put. Um, So, yeah, he grew on me for sure. Um, And so we had a a thread about the world building uh, from Seth, who says in the, quote, I can't put my finger on it thread, a few people seem to describe feeling a bit alienated by not being familiar with British culture or with the city of London. I certainly buy that setting as something that can make someone love or hate a book, but amongst SFF readers, I guess I was surprised that some people felt like they needed to know London better in order to get the book. After all, in most SFF books, the world is created entirely from the author's imagination, so it's impossible to come to the book with any kind of knowledge of the world. Is it perhaps <sighs> yeah. the case that since London is real, some folks feel more of a need to be familiar with it in a way that doesn't occur when the setting is something completely made up you know, for fantasy? Um yeah, I think you totally hit the nail on the head in, in your last sentence. I think that's exactly what it is, <laughs> personally. Listen, I feel very left out when I read A Song of Ice and Fire because I'm just not that familiar with Westeros. I've never been there. So, you know, it yeah. makes me feel left out, uh, like they're talking over my head and condescending to me. Yeah, well, I, you know, I've never been to King's Landing, but I have been – I've spent a lot of time in the north – so like whenever any of the scenes in King's Landing, I was like, mm, you know, I've only visited, I've only really seen it on TV. <laughs> Veronica um, actually lives beyond the wall now. Yeah. Um, I I totally get this. And in fact, the thing that popped into my head in this thread was, um, I don't know if this is really that related actually, but in reading. Um, Go with it. Uh, Kate. Uh, McKinnon. Uh, no. From Saturday Night Live. Um, Ilona Andrews, the, um, uh the, 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 uh, I can't remember the series. Someone in the chat will know. Um, it takes place largely in Atlanta and, um, I don't know Atlanta that well. Um, I've only really spent time there for Dragon Con. 
Um, and so, mo- I mean, there's so many descriptions of different parts of, uh, of Atlanta. And the only time I ever would get really excited is when they would talk about the hotels downtown off Peachtree. Because <laughs> you're like, I've been there we for Dragon Con. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I haven't spent a ton of time in London. It didn't, it, I didn't, it, none of that, you know, Kate Daniels, thank you, Mark. Um, that it didn't come up for me, but I can see why if you're not familiar with the Thames and you're not familiar with like a lot of the, the scenery, it, it, I don't think it should take away, but maybe I can understand why some people might be put off. I don't know. What do you think? I, I've got two thoughts on this. Yeah. Uh, the first is, I have noticed a trend among people mm-hmm. and I, I I'm tempted to say people younger than me, but that's most people I meet these days. So. <laughs> oh, uh, Tom. Uh, I, I have noticed a trend for people to decide they feel left out. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and if they, if they know that there is a reference to something they don't know, then they will decide that they feel left out by it. And I say decide because, like you say, if it's Game of Thrones and you know you're not left out, people don't feel left out. So it's it's a, a decision to say, well, wait a minute. They're talking about a thing that I don't know about, and I feel left out, and I feel bad by that. And and this, I'm not using this. I'm trying not to be pejorative, but it, but it is a, a decision you make because you're thinking about it, right? It may not be an active decision to like, I want to feel left out. It's more like, well, I've, I've thought it through and now I feel left out because I thought about it. Uh, hmm. this, uh, this I run into most often with TV shows where someone says, well, I know they're making references to a bunch of, of stuff elsewhere in the universe, right? Because we have so many mm-hmm. shows that are part of like expanded universes. So Star Wars shows, Star Trek shows, Marvel shows, whatever. Uh, and I've caught, Sometimes where I'm like, no, those references aren't to anything else. And I and I think because we have so many expanded universes that that has become a general feeling mm. of like, well, mm-hmm. I'm probably missing out on something. Uh, and so I would say, like, don't just assume you're missing out on something because they're talking about something you kind of heard about. I've, I've read plenty of stories, seen plenty of movies and TV shows where that is a device to make the world feel big, to allude to things you don't know about. Sometimes they may be real things. Sometimes they're imaginary things, like in Westeros, right? Westeros feels bigger because they're always talking about the Stepstones. And and you're like, wait, what's the Stepstones? I've never been there before or or something like that. So so that's a good world-building thing. So try, try to fight the urge to feel left out. The second thing I would say is if it's a good writer... When you read a story set in a place you've never been to before, you'll feel like you've come to know that place better. If the writing mm, isn't mm-hmm. as good, you'll feel confused. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't let being let, feeling left out or feeling like, wow, there were too many references to a thing and I don't know it. I feel like that's in your head. But if you're confused, if you're like, wait, he's he said they're going to Camden Town, but and it's all weird and I didn't understand, that's not good writing. If they said, if they like, well, they said to go to Camden Town and he explained that it has a history of, you know, cut thieves and purse, you know, robbers and, and things like that. That's good writing. It's introducing you to something. I shouldn't impugn the nature of Camden Town, but it was, you know, just reaching for an example there. Yeah, a little specific, to be honest. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm just joking. I, I, but, but I think, but the point I'm trying to make is a good author 
if you push past like, okay, he's referring to things you don't know, that's okay. As long as he, you feel like you've learned a little bit about them in the telling of the story and they make sense. If you come away just confused, like he went to a bridge, but didn't tell me how he got there or what the significance was. And I was always confused. Mm -hmm. Then I don't think that's good story construction. Rivers of London, I don't feel as guilty of that. I feel like he does a pretty good job. Maybe not the best possible job that any author could ever do, but you know, I think he does a pretty good job of, of saying, well, this area of town is like this. And so we went there, right? And it kind of sets the tone for you. And if you just approach it like, okay, yeah, no, I'm not supposed to know anything about it, then you won't feel left out. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good perspective. Uh, also, just don't, you know, don't worry about it. Just go with the flow. You know, it, chances are, like Tom said, if it's a good writer, you'll figure out what's going on in short form. Yeah, you'll have the important tools you need to understand. And anything else is just trying to make it feel like a bigger world. Absolutely. And, you know, that's that's true of our world as well. You know, sometimes, you know, and in, in, I don't know where I'm going with this. Sometimes <laughs> I was going to say something about like nonfiction and hearing things about other places in the world and. You know, yeah. you just learn about the what else is out there. I'm tired. Yeah, it's a little man. like I'm sorry. I, I read this history of World War II, and they they just said all these things about Europe, and I've <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a part of European culture. So listen, you know. man, I'm laying down. It's it's nighttime. I'm I'm basically just like in bed. So that's where my brain is at. Not making much mm. sense at this point. So maybe it's well, a good time I've, to wrap up. Let's wrap it up there. Yeah. Let's wrap it up there. Um, y'all are awesome. Thank you so much for continuing to listen uh, to our show, especially you, our patrons. Um, you can help support the show by heading over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Uh, you can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Sword and Laser, and all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash sword and laser. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.